What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing out and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Also, don't be afraid to leave some comments. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. is the game for this week's episode. Jack Move is a pixelated turn-based RPG, and I see a lot of similarities with Saturday Morning RPG, which we did in one of our first few episodes, as well as the Paper Mario series, the first two games at least, and a lot of the Shin Megami games, especially Persona, and also some roots in Final Fantasy and other old-school JRPGs. The game was originally released in September of 2022 on PC, Mac, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. The game was developed by So Romantic, which as far as I can see is a small team, uh, but it's especially one guy, Ed Paris, who I think their website is uh, UK-based, but Ed Paris works out of Taiwan. Some games that they've done before, uh, one is called Games by the Sea, Super Pinata Pro, Bubble Tennis, none that I've really played or seen. And I had a nice uh, correspondence with Ed, and uh, potentially we could have a Developer Spotlight episode coming up soon with Ed. But stay tuned for the end of the episode because we have a special surprise if you're a Steam player. The game was published by Hype Train Digital, and we've heard of them before. They're an indie publisher. They publish Black Book, which is a game that we did an episode on a while back, as well as a game called Tunchi or Tunche. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but I've seen that on the rounds uh, as a game that people are talking about. I have not played it yet, but Hype Train Digital did publish that. The game released with an MSRP of $19.99, and it runs, if you're just going through the story, not doing any of the side quests, maybe about like six hours, but if you want to do everything in this game, probably more than eight, somewhere between eight and nine hours. There is no platinum trophy in this game for our PlayStation listeners, and I'm irked by that because I wanted to get the platinum, but there is not one. Essentially, you can get all the trophies if you just play through the game. I got this on PSN for $11.99, and I've been playing it on my PS5, and I did beat it, and the clock in the game was somewhere around nine and a half hours, but I did set the controller down a bunch of times and let the game go, and the clock keeps going, so if I had to guess, probably somewhere between seven and eight hours of actual game time, and I did beat it and do all of the side quests. 
But in terms of recommendations, I had not heard of this game. I had never seen it before. The name was something that I was not even looking for. But I looked at it on the store. It was on sale. And it reminded me a lot of Saturday Morning RPG, which, if you know, is a game that I absolutely adore. And I was definitely all about the turn-based combat and the cyberpunk vibe to it. Kind of futuristic, really leaning into that. Talk gameplay for Jack Move. In a lot of ways, the format here is very traditional JRPG. So you're going to have sort of this free roam mode where you're traversing, you're going from point A to point B, you're having dialogue with a lot of NPCs, you're picking up quests, you're going to shops and things like that. And then you'll have the battle aspect, like when you're in an area with enemies and the battle is turn-based and you can equip different things and have a different loadout, get XP, level up, things like that. So let's start with sort of the free roam aspect. So there's this sandbox world that you're in. It's kind of this town that has different sections, different screens, and it's a top-down view, and your character can walk around a lot. Like I said, you can talk to NPCs. You can go in some of the buildings, and you can go to different sections of within uh, the area of town. It's kind of a small city or town metropolis split into different sections. And when you're in town, you're kind of in these safe sections. Like you might be in the small town, you might be in the you know metropolis, you might be in the slums and whatnot. Um, but in between these areas are like where you have your enemy encounters. And you'll notice as soon as you get there, the screen will change a little bit. Um, so it's very similar to like a Final Fantasy, like a Paper Mario, things like that. When you're in this sandbox, you might come across a shop and each of the town areas has its own. But what's interesting is that they're always the same selection. So you're not like missing out if you don't go to this one area in that shop. They all have the same stuff there. And what you can buy there are consumables. You can buy software and you can buy hardware. And we'll talk about what those mean. But most of what you're going to be doing is talking to people. And I encourage you to talk to everyone. There's a good amount of people in this game. And you can get a lot from talking to people. You can get a lot of context, lore. You can get a lot about your character's relationship with that person. And you can also get side quests by talking to people. And something that I really appreciate is when you go up to a character that you can talk to, there'll be an exclamation point that pops up over your head. And when you hit it, you'll hear whatever that person has to say. But then if you go back to that person, if next to the exclamation point, there's like two arrows in a circle, that means that if you talk to them, they're just going to say the same thing. So it's really helpful so that you don't have to keep talking to figure out if you've exhausted dialogue. And that's really helpful to the gamer because what you're going to find is when something happens, like when you progress the story a little bit and then you go back to an area of town, people are going to have new dialogue. And it could be that some of them actually have side quests. So this is really helpful just from a gameplay perspective, the game communicating to you without having to like read through the same dialogue, like, oh, this person has new dialogue. So kudos to that. I, I really appreciated that. 
And a lot of the context and lore that you're going to get is really satisfying from a synergistic perspective, like learning about characters. Uh, there's a lot of consistency with like how your character will interact with other characters uh, and the information that you get. And while it's good to have a lot of supplementary information or context, like you don't actually need it. But I really appreciated uh, just talking to people and getting new dialogue from certain people. The side quests that you're going to come across are pretty good. Uh, a lot of them are going to be fetchy, uh, and that's fine. Some of them might require you to get something, and then it also might say that you have to go give it back to someone else. Uh, sometimes it doesn't actually ask you to do that. Um, and this was a little weird because like, sometimes I would collect something and then it would say the side quest is done, but then I go find that person and talk to them again and I get like this new dialogue and context. And sometimes I actually get an item, um, but the quest log doesn't always give you that information. So there was a little kind of disconnect with there sometimes. The dialogue in general, I feel, is nice, short, and sweet. There's not going to be a lot of books where you're getting like loads and loads of info dump and exposition. But your objectives in general, if you go to the menu, you'll have primary and secondary objectives. So the primary is just like the story objective, what you need to do now. But the secondary objectives, those are going to be your side quests. And so I do like the pacing of these quests. Like some of the side quests you're not going to be able to find right away or not going to be able to complete right away. So there's this nice folding of them where like you'll get a side quest, but you might not be able to complete it until a little later in the game. Other things that you're gonna interact with in the free roam, you're gonna see item boxes, and they'll kind of have a sheen over them, so it'll be obvious when you first see one. And you'll open them and you can get some of the currency, which is credits, you can get like some consumables, sometimes you might even get some software or even hardware. Other things you can interact with are like these digital newspapers that give you story context. I found these really helpful as well, just for understanding the world. And also you'll see these vending machines uh, in a couple of places around the city and even in areas where there are enemies. And all you have to do is go up to this vending machine and hit X and you'll have a full recovery. So it's a nice little refresher there. Progressing through the game is fairly simple. If you just follow the main objectives, you pretty much will always know where to go. What is nice though, is whenever you have a main objective, even if you're like right in it, uh, you always have the freedom to kind of move or do some of your side quests or go around town or go to shops. You're never like locked into a sequence where it's like, oh, I can't get to a shop for a while. In terms of the main objectives, I never got lost. I was never kind of trapped or didn't know what to do. The quest objective is pretty descriptive. And so it'll say, like you need to go to the northwest side of this area of town or something like that um, and it should be pretty obvious whether from a visual standpoint or whatnot in the opening sequence this is really good how the game opens up there's this great tutorial about the game and about combat nice short and sweet like hey you're in the middle of this thing like oh you didn't know how to do that let me show you and it's pretty simple it really simplifies the combat and i really like that but just in general the game is not very handholdy and i really don't think there's any need like i said the main objectives are pretty spelled out if you're an RPG vet or if you're new to RPGs, I feel like you're not going to have a problem progressing through this game. All right, let's talk about your character. So if you look on the menu, you'll see stats for your character and they go by different names, but it's pretty basic in terms of RPG and JRPG. Like you'll have a strength stat, a defense stat, magic and magic defense, speed and luck. And then you'll have a certain amount of hit points and a certain amount of data points. And that's going to be like your MP. And in battle, you're going to get XP. 
and it's going to auto level up so you don't have to like choose where to put stats or anything like that it's just going to gradually increase a lot of your stats something that you'll be able to use is hardware and this is basically equipable accessories these accessories are going to automatically do whatever they're going to do and you can equip up to three but not at first a lot of what these will do is they'll bump up a particular stat or multiple stats they'll bump up your ram and we'll talk about what that means they'll give you some kind of buff in battle and there'll be a lot of other specialties some really good ones that i i found really helpful especially in the end game some hardware that you can get are permanent upgrades and they don't need to go into those slots so pretty early on i jumped on the permanent upgrades because they make buying some of the hardware like the ram boost and whatnot uh, pretty obsolete if you can just get the permanent upgrade and it frees up a hardware slot but some of those things are like getting access to more hardware slots like you have to buy that as a permanent upgrade getting access to more ram without having to use hardware and then you have software and basically this is going to be like skills or spells so like the magic stat is for how good your software is going to be in battle a lot of these spells or skills are going to be different attack types uh, buffing your character debuffing enemies healing you and some of these you can use in battle some of them you can use outside of battle so like the healing ones you can use outside of battle which is really nice and each of these moves or skills are going to have specific RAM requirements to equip. So the way that the RAM works is you have a certain amount. I think in the beginning of the game you have maybe five or six RAM. And each of these skills or spells has a certain amount of RAM that they take up. So like the healing one takes up one. But like the basic cyberware attack takes up three. So you can only put in up to five and then that's what you can use for the battles. And of course you can upgrade your RAM permanently or you can equip hardware that'll give you more RAM. But I think the max in the game that you can have in terms of RAM is 16. So there's a lot of different strategy there and we'll talk about how that pans out. But these specific software spells can actually be leveled up. Like when you're getting experience from battle, the skills that you have will level up as well, but they will also max out. So what's interesting is we'll talk about the different attack types, but there's a lot of Final Fantasy here because each of these attack types has like three tiered different skills. So you can get the first one and then level it up and max it out. But after a certain amount of time, it's not going to do as much damage as you need to with the growing enemy HP. So you'll have an instance where it's like fire, fire, fireasia, if you know what I'm talking about with Final Fantasy. And so eventually you'll need to evolve and kind of use the next one up and then level that one up until it's maxed out and then do it again as you progress through the game. Hardware and software in general, most of these you have to buy. There are some exceptions, like you might get some through the story, you might find some in an item box. But when you go to the store, like I said, all stores have the same software and hardware, but to buy them, your character has to be a certain level to buy like the second or third tiered cyberware or electroware attack. So this is a good kind of way of gatekeeping, of pacing through what spells you might need, what spells you won't need. In general, I feel like there is a lot of customization here in terms of what hardware to use with what software, different combos. Like in the beginning of the game, I was using a hardware that was doing like an auto counter attack with a physical attack. And that was working really well because I was also using something where it would boost my physical attack at the beginning of battle. So I was doing a lot of damage just kind of passively. But then towards the later end of the game, like I was focusing a lot more on software and I was using a lot of hardware things that would boost my software or do different things. So I really think there's a, a fair amount of customization here and I like that, especially given the RAM limit 
like I said, there's 16 RAM that you can use maximum in the game, but you're going to find spells that are like four, five. Um, so you're not going to be able to equip all of the ones that you want. And we'll talk about how that works itself into battle. So let's talk about battle. So the way battle is going to work is there's going to be random encounters, and it's only going to be when you're in these areas where there are enemies. Like for Pokemon, it's like when you're in the tall grass. That's when you can have the random encounters. And you'll know when you're in that area because there's going to be a meter in the top right corner that is a threat level meter. And basically, as that ticks up, the chance of you coming into contact with a random encounter is going to be higher and higher and higher until inevitably you have to battle. But not all battles are going to happen this way. Sometimes there'll be a boss. Sometimes there'll be a story battle after a long series of dialogue. Regardless, all battles are going to work the same. They're going to be turn-based. And when you get into battle in the top right corner, there will be the order of who is next. And this is very similar to like Final Fantasy X. You'll see who is coming up in sequence, so maybe you want to kill a certain enemy uh, so it can skip their turn and go right back to yours. When you start battle and it's your turn, there is a menu of things that you can do. So you'll have your normal attack, and that's called a hack, where you're just physically attacking the enemy. You'll have the option to use your skills. It's called execute. You'll also be able to, in battle, manually swap software in your RAM, and this is called install. And I really like the tutorial that you go through that helps you do this. There's something interesting with the strategy here. I didn't really do this until later in the game where I felt that I needed to. But again, when you start to get some of that better software that takes up more RAM, you're going to need to swap in battle, especially if it's a long battle or it's a boss battle. So I really like that this is an option, especially like if you start a long battle and you're like, shoot, I wanted to equip that one spell, but then I didn't. And so now I'll have to start over, but now you don't. It kind of works its way into the strategy. There's also a defend. So you can defend for a turn uh, and that's called cash. It'll increase your defense, and then it might also like stack up your turns after. Patch is another thing, and that's you using consumables. And then there's something called reset overflow, which is just skip your turn. I don't know why you would do that and not just defend. But again, the tutorial goes through how to use every one of these and some of the context and strategy for when it can be beneficial. The enemies that you're going to come across... Uh, they're essentially going to be some of the same that you'll see throughout the game, just with different variants. Like, you'll get ones that are specifically melee, you'll get ones that buff up some of the other enemies, you'll get some that, like, call on other enemies. Like, if there's only one of them left, some will self-destruct. And then, so you'll see different variations of them in different colors. As you see these different variants that look a little different color-wise, they're either a higher level or they're a different elemental type. So we've talked about these different attack types of your software, and that's going to link up with the elemental types of enemies. So essentially you have four types. You have Cyber, Electro, Wet, and Physical. Now, Cyber, Electro, and Wet work like Pokemon, where Cyber is strong against Electro, Electro is strong against Wet, Wet is strong against Cyber. And so there's like a weakness, strength type thing going on here. And when you actually go into your software menu and try to click or do one of the moves, it'll tell you like, hey, this is a cyber attack. Cyber is strong against Electro. Uh, physical is kind of its own beast. Enemies that are physical really, sometimes they have high physical strength, sometimes they don't. I haven't really figured that out. But what's interesting about the enemies and what type they are, sometimes it's given in the enemy's name that they're like a cyber thing or an electro thing. Sometimes it's not, and you might have to make an assumption. But you will get a software ability to scan, so you can scan what type of enemy they are, and then you'll know right away what works best against them. But 
I honestly, most of the time, went by names or coloration or just trial and error. Like if I did an electro attack against a certain enemy and when it hit, it said great, that means that it's weak against it. So then I just remembered it for the next time. And then you'll have something else that you can do, and that's called Jack Move, hence the name of the game. And this is basically like your trance or your overdrive, and it's a super powerful elemental attack that hits all the enemies, and the way that you're able to use it is you have a JM meter at the bottom, and that gets powered up every time you attack enemies and every time you take damage. And as you progress through the game, you'll actually learn different ones. So the first one you get is an electro attack. So that's good against wet enemies. But then as you progress through, you'll get one of the other three types just as you're getting further into the game. And then when you win a battle, you'll go to the XP screen and it'll say how much XP your character got, how much XP certain moves got. If you use them more, they actually go up in XP. And if you level up, you will fully recover, which is super awesome. I love that mechanic. I think that was the same in Saturday Morning RPG. And then you'll get money. And so the ebb and flow of this game with battle and whatnot is pretty typical of any Final Fantasy or JRPG. You're going to battle. You're going to maybe heal after battle if you level up. And then what's really good is the pace of leveling and getting money and upgrading things is actually really tight. Like, you don't have to wait a long time to get to, like, the second and third tier of specific software. You're going to get a lot of money. And so I like that it's kind of speeding things up because the game knows it's a short game. It's a very bite-sized game. And so there's not a lot of, like, grinding or really having to level up or anything like that. It comes pretty quickly. And I like that in the shops you can see the ones that you can't get yet because of your level. And so you can kind of plan ahead, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get that one, and that'll be a great combo with that. In terms of accessibility, what's really cool is you can change the encounter rate at any time. And I think there are maybe, like, four different levels. So it's, like, basic, and then if you go below that, it's, like, slashed. And then if you go below that, it's null, meaning no encounters. And then above basic is like crazy or something like that. I forget what it's called. When it introduces that to you, it gives you some strong advice. It says like basic is how it's intended to be in terms of encounters. And if you turn it down, you actually are going to wind up under leveled. So just be aware of that. If you're ever in a situation like where you're running back and forth and you're just sick of the encounters, you can turn that off at any point. And so I like that ability there. But I also like the transparency of them saying like, hey, you're going to need to level up. In terms of difficulty, I maybe died three or four times. I died a couple times on the very last boss, but there was one time early in the game where I went somewhere that I was clearly underleveled for and I died right away. When you do die though, you have the option to continue, which I guess means like restart the battle, but it says you'll lose 25% of your experience. And I never did that because the game auto saves like crazy. So I was just like, no, I'm going to go to main menu and then just reload like five seconds earlier for my auto save. So the game has auto saves. It does it a lot. And you can also manual save there. And what's also interesting is because you can install and swap out different skills in your RAM in battle, there's actually an option in the menu to save your software after battle or to reset it to what it was before. So it's like if you really liked a particular loadout at the beginning of battle and you like the progression of changing and swapping in different softwares for that, you can have it reset back to what you normally would start with. So I like that option there. Again, just more accessibility, customization options, can't go wrong with stuff like that.
All right, let's talk vibe for Jack Move. This game is so freaking rad. I gotta tell you. Let's start with talking about the setting and the theme. So this world is like a cyberpunk future world. It's a very dystopian world going on. Like you have, you know, this town, you have the slums, you have the concept of like people being oppressed. You've got the haves and the have nots. And like all of us down here are slumming while the big corporation is like pawning off its ideas and mandating things. What's interesting about the story and the lore, like I said, there are different things that you can find throughout the map where it's like you're reading lore bits whether it's like a newspaper sometimes it's like old diaries there's a lot of context that you get from those and from dialogue with other characters so the idea of the setting is that there's no more government so there was some big outage in 1997 and now corporations rule and so you've got these like corporations and then the people who are just like suits or following suit and then you have everyone else and you're part of this class of people of tech hackers that are like trying to rebel against these these corporations or this one corporation so it's kind of got this strange final fantasy 7 meets like deus ex uh with a little bit of like guy Ritchie. and in the dialogue in the conversation and also in the music which we'll talk about there's this sense of like everyone's kind of upbeat and like you know, high energy, but there's this cynical kind of commiseration going on. So you've got these high energy people, you've got this slang. Oh my gosh. Some of the things that these, these people say are so cool. I, it reminds me a lot of like Futurama, like Amy, when she says certain things on Futurama. So some of the things they'll say like for exclamations, instead of saying like cool or whatnot, they'll say like Chrome or one of the first ones was giga flopping. I saw that and I laughed so hard, like plug in wicked wafers, just really cool. The way that they talk and you really get a feel that like there's a different world in this future um, where different things are kind of relevant and whatnot. I just love the dialogue in this game. I love the writing. I love the character interactions. Some of the jokes of even just random people that you talk to. This main character, Noah, she knows all these people. And what I really like is some of the interactions you'll have with characters, like the character will just be talking, but a lot of times she'll kind of say something and her dialogue uh, bust will pop up so you know it's her talking. It's so interesting how well she knows these people and how you see them relate to her um, it really shows like the depth of these characters and their relationships together and I really feel like the NPCs especially the more prominent named ones like they're really fleshed out and I really cared for these characters like there are some random ones like there's a pizza boy who works for this company and it's like five minutes or less is their motto so he always has to deliver the pizza within five minutes and sometimes he has to go really far or one of the other characters is her uncle who is just fantastic. I mean, he's got like suave white gray hair and a mustache and he's wearing a red robe and he, he walks around like he's Hugh Hefner, but he's super like flamboyant and sophisticated. It, it's really, I love the way that they fleshed out these characters and her relation to them. What's interesting though is thematically there's this like underlying acceptance or depression or like defeatism that a lot of these characters talk about. And it's an interesting contrast to their high energy slang that they talk about and their 
exclamations to each other. Like a lot of people feel like giving up almost. And it's, it really shows through. It's almost like this 80s glossy eyed reality vibe where it's like everything looks nice or, you know, we're, we're trying to be cheery and whatnot. But underneath, like we're really kind of struggling with this reality. And the characters in general, there's a lot of growth that they need to go through, some movement they need in their life. And a, a lot of times throughout this game, you're wondering, will they or will they kind of stagnate? But the concept of death and existentialism and even transcendence, and, and I don't want to give away too much, but a lot of that really comes through. And towards the end of this game, I'm really feeling a lot for these characters. From a more basic standpoint, there's a lot about tech and VR, obviously. Um, When you start a battle, like, she pulls out a plug, like, she's plugging in. And in battle, like, on the screen, you're, like, on this digital grid. Um, So it really leans into sort of that futuristic society, and it really makes it believable that the year is 2150, which I believe it is. And it doesn't kind of hit you over the head with it, like, oh, we're in the future. It's just like, this is their reality, and you're just kind of witnessing it. From a visual standpoint, the game is super pixelated. It's a lot of smooth boxes, though. It's not like each individual picture. But the view is top-down. A lot of similarities, like I said, with Saturday morning RPG, but not as blocky in the pixelations. It's almost like if it were more zoomed out from that game. A lot of color in this game. A lot of color. A lot of neon signs. Characters and their hair is like bright orange or purple. It's always night, and it's always raining and drab. It really gives me vibes of like Blade Runner. But it's funny because the characters actually comment on how it's always raining. But because of that, there's always this movement, this life on screen. Even the individual sprites are always bouncing, like sometimes with the music, sometimes not. But it really makes you feel like this is a bustling place, no matter you know how depressed the individuals might be. When you have dialogue, I really love the different busts of the main NPCs that come up because there's a lot of emoting and lifelike interpretation. Like you can see visually the expressions on their faces, like Noah and Ryder and her uncle. Like it's really easy to connect and learn with them. The enemies, same thing. Like a lot of color codedness because of their types: neon purple hair or green hair, things like that. You're going to see a lot of bikers and dogs and machines. And again, that kind of shows through thematically, like the humanoid enemies are really kind of victim to the dystopia as well. And you also see it a lot in the environments. There's a lot of environmental storytelling, like the slums, like you'll see trash cans and barrel fires and broken fences and things like that. In the town, there are a lot of these neon signs that are just like advertisement, advertisement, like the corporation is really trying to get its thumb down. But you really feel like with the color and the movement, the world is really lived in. And from an audio perspective, I love this music. It's so good. It matches the characters and their high energy, the upbeatedness. It's fun. It's lively. I really would love a vinyl OST for this. And the sound effects. They're subtle, but they're really key. Like picking up an item, opening a door, different moves in battle. Like you're getting that futuristic digital feel. Like even from a door opening, it's like, oh, wow, it's like a high-powered futuristic door or whatever just everything with quality and attention to detail it really shines through with the vibe of this game
All right, let's wrap up the conversation about Jack Move. This is a really great bite-sized JRPG, like traditional. It follows a lot of tropes, but it's really unique with its vibe. It's tech and digital. You know, it takes a lot from like the Xeno games, whether it's Xeno Saga or Xeno Gears or Final Fantasy VIII. Like the idea of like, you know, fighting in a mech or something like that, but it doesn't actually do that here. But it still takes along that spirit with like technology and loadouts and things like that. A lot of accessibility options, a lot of customization options, doing physical attacks or different hardware linked with different software. Like there's really a lot of different ways that you can go about this. And a lot of extra content with the side quests and finding the lore. The vibe is so epic and so consistent. Whether it's through the setting, the music, the characters, the dialogue, there's just, there's so much to love in this game about the vibe, and it's not hollow. Like, it's not just like, ooh, you got this cool music, or ooh, the visuals here, or these characters have good dialogue. There's a really good story underneath, and really strong character development, and especially for a short game, like, it comes in and out, but you really start to peel back the layers with a lot of these characters, and I've really enjoyed it. It's such a great find in terms of a game. I feel like from a quality level, it's on the level of Saturday morning RPG. You know, there's no platinum trophy, and that's something that I'll have to live with, but I really enjoyed my experience with the game. In terms of value, I think 20 bucks is great value, especially as I got towards the end, I was like, wow, this is really worth $20. But if you can find it under 15, and I've seen it on sale, anything under 15, I think is a great value for this game, for what is here. And it's perfect if you're an RPG lover, Final Fantasy lover, you can bang this game out in a weekend. That's basically what I did. And so I really think this game is worth your time and your money. So I highly suggest it. All right. So we're at the end of the episode and we have a special surprise. We have Steam keys available for this game. Follow my instructions. What I would like for you to do if you'd like to receive one of our Steam keys for free is find the tweet. For this episode at FoundBytesGRS, we're going to tweet this episode, the link to it, and you can either reply to it or you can quote tweet it, and you have to say Steam Key Giveaway, and make sure you're following both our Twitter and Ed Paris from So Romantic, and his Twitter handle is at E-M-P-I-K-A. So follow both of us, reply to the tweet or quote tweet it with steam key giveaway and i will message you with one of our steam keys that we got from ed so thank you so much to ed and stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you